Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. I love Resurrection Sunday. I love the victory that we can just sense on today, right? Like I woke up and it was so bright and sunny. And I was like, there it is, like this, the, the light overcoming the darkness today. And I, I love how we sing and the songs that we sing. And it's like all hail King Jesus. And we're focusing on what, uh, what was overcome at the cross, right? And I am so, so thankful that actually that this is not a one day victory that we celebrate you guys, that this is not just a one day on Easter Sunday that we get to live in victory right now. This might be the one day that you put on the pink tie for brunch guys, right? This might be the one day that you set the, the butter, the lamb butter, you know, in the mold of a lamb on your table it might be the one day that you hide eggs around your family room. But the truth is that this is not just one day for life changing victory, right? It is not just one day. And that we know that Jesus won this victory for us on the cross that actually spreads out across all of our lives, all of our calendar days, all of our circumstances, the ups and downs and, and the celebrations and and, and the loss, all of it. And what I want to do today, it's really, really simple. What I want to do is I just want to make sure that we are getting the full view of the victory of the cross. That I want us to, to look at what Jesus won for us in that moment. And I want to make sure that that, that is, is translating into our lives, into the 365 um, days of our lives. And I have a theme today. I have a, a key word that I want you to key in on in our time together in word. And it's just this, this concept of opening what is open to us. And the picture I had in my head, um, I was picturing Kohl's, the department store on black Friday at like 3am. Have you guys seen these videos where the sliding doors, they part open and the people flood in for the deals, right? Like the stampede, like they don't care who's in their way, who gets trampled, this flooding in. Um, or maybe you picture, Another one of my favorite images is the pinata, right? Over your head, one final whack, that thing is, is opened, and what comes tumbling down this like candy lanch, right? This avalanche of candy. That's what I, I want you to get this picture, this opening. I want us just to think today this theme of opening over us, and that's what we are looking for today. What came through? And the victory of the cross. What was opened to us, to all of our lives at that moment. And I want us to just get in our heads at the cross Easter. This was a, a victory for our everyday lives. What was open to us? So we're going to start with, we're going to go back to this moment on the cross. And I want you to look for, what are we, what are you looking for? Opening, opening. Yes, you're with me. Okay, so here we go. So I'm going to read just a little bit in Luke 23, and I think all of our scriptures are going to be up on the screen, but here's what um, Luke writes. This moment of the cross. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. 
And here's what I want to point you to this detail, this really important detail that at the moment of Jesus's death, there's this temple curtain and it is torn in two. It is ripped open in this moment of death. And okay, so why does this matter? So in the Old Testament, the temple represented, um, it was the place of connection between God and man. It was a place where man would go to, uh, to be with God, to be in God's presence but um, God had these really ins- specific instructions on how this temple was going to be built and all the different parts. And there was one um, part that separated out the, the holy part of the temple from the holy of holies, the most holy place. And in the holy of holies is where God's presence, his manifest presence rested. It was right there in the Holy of Holies. And in between the Holy Place and the Holy of Holies was this temple curtain. And God gave really specific instructions in Exodus 26 on how this curtain, uh, the material, the, how thick, it was this really thick material, even the color of this temple curtain. They say it was like a purple, a purple blue, like a sky blue. And this thing was hung and the purpose, it had to be hung because it had to have a barrier. There had to be something to separate God's holy presence from man, from, from man was unclean, unclean of the earth from the holiest of heaven, God's presence. So this temple was torn and Matthew writes at the time of Jesus's death, this curtain of the temple, it was torn. And this is like my example, but here's the deal. You guys, it was actually torn into ripped open from top to bottom Whoop, like that. That's how it was torn open from top to bottom. And this is uh, an important detail because only God could reach the top of the temple curtain, the heights of it and rip it open in that moment of Jesus's death on the cross. Only God could reach up and tear this thing open once and for all, for all time. It was opened at the moment of Jesus's death on the cross. Okay, so why does this matter? What does this mean for our everyday lives? What came forward in this opening at the cross? And and what do we then get to pick up and live in victory in our lives? That's what I want us to dig into today. And I want to show you the answer from Jesus's life. I want to show you what happened in another opening moment of Jesus's life over his life and how he lived out that victory in everyday life. Because he's the perfect model for us, right? Like, I love how the scripture works these parallels. And they're not just good stories. They're actually things that work together in this brilliant way for God to say, this is what I have for you on this side of the cross. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to keep a bookmark, a mental bookmark, than what we just read in Luke about this curtain opening, okay? And now we're going to flip to Jesus's life in Mark 1. So here's this moment, um, really pivotal moment in Jesus's life. And this is before he is, he's done any sort of public ministry and he meets up with John the Baptist and here's what happens. So Jesus, um, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. And so do you see here what's opening? Heaven is being opening, torn open over Jesus in this moment is baptism moment. And what comes forward from heaven over Jesus? What do you guys see there in the scripture? What comes forward? 
the spirit, yeah, the Holy Spirit of God himself come and, comes and rests on Jesus. What else comes forward in this moment? The voice of God himself. The voice, the speaking voice of God. Like God somehow is able to like put into form that makes sense to human ears. The sound of his very voice. The sound that created all the earth and all the heavens and all that's in the sea. His voice comes forward and we get this message. Like when we be leaning in on the edge of our seat, what are you, what are you going to speak out into this moment in history? And he says, Jesus, here you are, my son, who I love and with you. I'm well pleased with you. I'm well pleased. And so this is what is opening over Jesus as the heavens are being torn open. Well, how is he going to use this in his everyday life? Well, here's what happens immediately. And the timing is important. Immediately, Jesus goes from this river opening heavens moment into this next, uh, next moment of his life. At once, it says that he goes, the spirit sent him into the desert. He goes out into the wilderness and he's in the desert 40 days and he's being tempted by Satan. So now uh, if some of us, I think if we would write this, we'd be like, he goes from this moment to the baptism party, right? Like top golf, like, come on, this is like a big moment to celebrate. Jesus, go celebrate what just was given to you. It was opened over you this amazing moment. But no, at once he goes, he's taken into the desert and he's fasting and he's alone what happens from this, this river moment to this wilderness moment is that now Satan himself comes to Jesus with temptation. And here's where we're going to see how what was opened over Jesus is lived out in everyday life. Okay, so here we go. So Matthew 4 is going to give us the details of this encounter with the devil in the wilderness. And here's what happens. So um, the devil comes to Jesus and Jesus has been fasting and he is hungry. We know that Jesus was fully human. So in his humanity, he could feel hunger. He could feel lack. He could feel need. He could feel desperation at some level, right? And so Jesus is face-to-face with the limitations of humanity in this moment. And Satan approaches him, and, and Jesus is really hungry, and he has these un- met needs, right? He, he's, he's at the brink, I would say, of like what the human body could sustain without food. Like he's just right there at 40 days, right? And Satan comes to him and he's like, Jesus, you're starving. You're so hungry. You have needs. Pick up the stones around you. Use your miraculous power. Turn them into bread and satisfy that hunger that you got right now, right? Like satisfy that craving, right? Like stop at the drive through. There's, you know, like how many, I, I drive by spunky and I have to talk myself, like keep going, right? Like don't stop, don't stop, right? But so here is Jesus and the devil knew like what Jesus craved, what that in his flesh, what was longing to be satisfied. And he takes, he tests Jesus, this simple test, hey, pick up these rocks, Something very simple, something within your reach, something in your environment, within, you know, within grasp here, pick them up and use them to fill your emptiness, Jesus. Use them to fill emptiness. At the heart of this test, Satan is telling Jesus, get what you need for yourself. Come on, like fill those needs, make it happen for yourself. Use your own power, something within your reach to take care of what you're longing for. Don't be needy, Jesus. And Jesus withstands and he answers Satan. He says this, I live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So there is this first victory over temptation. Okay, well, Satan doesn't stop there. Next up, Satan takes Jesus, it says, to the highest 
um, place in, in the holiest place that he could find the highest point of the temple. So Satan takes Jesus to church, right? Like we think, well, church should be a temptation place, surely, right? But he takes Jesus to the most spiritual place he could find. And um, he, he's tempting Jesus. He's like, listen, put yourself on this highest place and throw yourself down off this temple. And if you do, well, then God will move and he will send angels to come and they will make sure that you don't fall. Right. And so here he is. He's testing Jesus. He's like, Jesus, be a religious superstar. Jesus, do something great. Be a performer. Be use your your uh, your place here, even here, the spiritual place and be a stuntman, a performer for the crowds, Jesus, they want to be wowed by you, right? Like here he is like you, the watching crowds are crying out for something, Jesus. And I think at this point, remember Jesus had been alone. That was another key concept here. He'd been alone in for 40 days, no community, no relational support, no family support. Right. And I wonder how long can a human go without the affirmation of a crowd? How long can we go without a wow from someone? The verbal affirmation, the approval that our soul demands. How long can we go without someone being like, good job. You're good. You're great, right? And so Satan laid this out before Jesus. Listen, if you're the son of God, prove it. Improve it by doing some sort of activity that then could validate that you're worthy, right? That you are, you should be respected. Do something so other people can see. And then if you get this started, God will back you up and he'll send some angels, right? But you have to do something, some sort of effort, some sort of activity, right? Whether it's spiritual or not, guys, right? Be amazing, Jesus. That was the temptation. And Jesus withstands again and he says, I will not put God on trial. I will not use God for my identity for my worth to be, to prove myself as a son of God. Okay. So there is a second victory that we see that came out of this opening over Jesus. And so then one more Satan comes one more time and he takes Jesus now to the highest place of the world. And he lays out before him all the kingdoms of the world, everything that is, is visible, that is created the highest honor that you could get on this earth. He takes him to the highest place. Do we have that Matthew um, four scripture? Up, So he takes him to the highest place of the city. He takes him there and he offers fullness. Basically, he says, I have all of these kingdoms and all of their splendor. And Jesus, I'm going to offer them to you if you just bow down and worship me. That's all you have to do. Just one little kneel, right? Like just a moment of kneeling. You do that. And then I'm going to give you all the glory of the world right? It's all mine. And here's what I think is fascinating. God already had in mind that he was going to bring all the kingdoms of the world, all the glory, all the splendor and majesty and deliver them to Jesus himself in his own time, in his own way. We know at the end in revelation 11, it says now this is the end of it. Now all the kingdoms of the world come and are given to Jesus as King, all of them. So God already had this plan in mind, but again, Jesus in his humanity, he didn't know what was ahead. He couldn't know what was ahead. He couldn't know how God was working this glorious plan. He, he had a sense, I think, that there, there would be, that this would be his, but he didn't know how. And so here's the temptation. Jesus, do it your way. 
help God's plan out, right? Like God might be taking a little too long. Don't wait it out. Yeah, the, the, God is saying this path will get you there. How could it? How could the path of a servant get you that glory, Jesus? Like how could a path to death on a cross end up with you getting praise and honor that that is yours anyways? How, right? And so here's the temptation. Get ahead of God's plan. Wonder, is he really going to fulfill this? Because it seems to be a long time coming. It seems to be some sort of delay on his end that Jesus submits. He submits and he says, I will worship God only. I will stay in this place of worship. And as I worship, he will give me everything that is mine. As I do it his way, as I stay in trust and obedience in worship. So here's the deal, guys. As I look at these temptations that are, that Jesus is, is having to overcome in everyday life, I, I get, I like, yes, I can see this in our lives too. Each of these, like stones, into bread for a hungry Jesus. Guys, we feel the pull to take things in our own world and use them, like Kevin was even praying, that we use them, we follow them to fill a hunger that we have, a need that we have. Like, we have real needs, right? We have real hunger. We, we crave things. We, we want to cover our insecurity with things. We want to we pick up, we want to turn stones into bread when we uh, satisfy our own cravings or we get strength from money or things or food, right? We turn stones into bread when we make the source of our hope our, our education or our p- position or the next career bump, right? That's we, we turn stones into bread. And here's the deal, you guys, some things in your life right now that are on the ground and they're just, they're just sitting there and they're very close at hand. Some of those things are supposed to stay on the ground. They weren't meant to be toasted and covered with butter and jam and eaten to fill that longing in you. They never would. And so I'm imploring you, leave them on the ground, Leave them there. That substance wasn't meant for your entertainment. Leave it on the ground. That, that, maybe that man that you feel that emotional pull towards, leave him on the ground. He's somebody else's husband. Leave him there, right? Leave them on the ground. Stones are everywhere. I promise you they're everywhere. And I, I promise you that they may seem harmless and they may just seem like, oh, that will just fill me, but they are actually an offer from the enemy, Right? Stones are everywhere. And we also, too, we face this temptation to wow people. We do. We face, we, we need, it's like, I, I hear so many, it's like, I just don't have enough verbal affirmation. I don't have enough, I'm not getting enough of that from people around me, right? And I think we face this inside and outside the church. I feel this temptation in my life. I do. I can honestly stand before you and say, I, I want to do spiritual stunts for you. I really do. You know, like I can feel it. I can sense sometimes where I pray for someone and I'm praying and I'm listening more to like the sound of my voice or I'm listening more to how they're received, watching for how they receive it more than my connection with the spirit of God in me that I'm praying with, I'm partnering with right? We want to do these stunts. I, I get it. Uh, sometimes we just want to use our spiritual maturity or, or things we do to feel better about ourselves, right? To prop ourselves up. I get it. We want to do things to get value from people. And one more, one more little encouragement, right? We do. We do tricks too. And sometimes we take the offer of the kingdom again, when we believe God is just taking too long, 
to bring about the things that he's promised. He's just taking too long to bring about the restoration. He's taking too long to bring about the healing. He's taking too long to fix, you know, the the tension and the pressure that we are still in, right? And so we want to figure it out for ourselves. We're just like, you know what, God, we did wait. We did. We waited. And now it's time for us to get involved and help you out a little bit, right? Like, can we turn the page of this chapter for you, God? Because I can't see how you're actually going to bring good into this like you said you would. You would turn it into good at the end. It just seems like that Hagar, right? Abraham, like Hagar is just right down the hall. She's she's not even a long distance call. We just want to help God out. We can relate. We can relate to these temptations in our everyday lives. But here's the good news. As we can relate to these temptations, guys, we can relate to the victory that Jesus had over them. Same, Same degree that he had victory over them. Same for us. Because Jesus could stand in his weakness, in his limitations, in his humanity, and he could stand in victory over Satan himself. Over Satan himself, right? And he did it by what? By relying on what came forward at the opening of the river, at the opening of the heavens over him just 41 days ago. When the heavens were opened over him and the spirit of God came and rested on him, And the voice of God declared over him this identity like you are mine and you are my son. And not only that, you're my son and I'm pleased with you. I delight in you. I approve of you, right? And these came forward. They came spilling out, tumbling out over Jesus when those heavens were opened over him. All these things and they were sufficient for the trial, that he was stepping into, weren't they? They were sufficient for the trial. It's how Jesus overcame. He just relied on, he just relied, took what God had poured out over him and he relied on him. And that was the victory that he lived in. And it is the victory that we live in, you guys. It's the same victory. I want us to get a clear picture of it because at that river, the heavens were torn open over Jesus. And at the cross, the temple curtain was torn over, over us that we have the same baptism. We're invited into that baptism and we're invited into the victory, right? That only God could tear open in that moment, the heavens over Jesus and send him into his ministry. And only God could tear open the curtain temple over Jesus when he finished his ministry, right? It was this beautiful full circle. And in that moment, in that finish, he invited all of us into the same exact victory. That curtain that couldn't, that barrier that couldn't be torn open by human hands, that curtain that allowed us full access to the presence of God, that that curtain that was the same color, sky blue, as the sky that opened over Jesus. There's so many parallels once and for all at the cross for us. And all that came forward comes forward to us today in that moment, guys. All that came forward at the cross came forward for us today. The spirit of God rests on us as it did on Jesus. It rests on us. We now know, remember Jesus said, I'm going away and I'm going away so I can send my spirit to live on you. And as Jesus drew power from that spirit of God, right? He, he, he knew this source of actually the miraculous power of God. This is the source of power of my life, right? The Holy spirit same fills us and we don't have to be, do anything to be worthy of his spirit. He already validates us. He validates your worth. He validates your identity by letting his spirits rest on you, 
So you lean into that. You lean into that when that temptation comes, when that temptation comes to do things, to be great. It's already like, no, I've already been validated, right? Like it's all a law. Anything I get from someone else, it's a loss compared to what has already been given. And then he says over, Jesus, you're my beloved son. And just like Jesus knew he could trust the father to finish the plan, same with you. He looks at you and he says, you're my daughter. You are my son. I love you. And I know where I'm taking you. And in my love and in the fact that you are my son and daughter, just like a child can't know exactly how the parent's going to get them to the destination, God the Father's doing the same thing over your life. He's going to get you there. He's going to get you there in his goodness. So you can wait and you can rest and you can be like, I don't know how this path is going to do it, but you know what? I'm staying on it. I'm staying on it until the end, till I can see your goodness, right? And then the pleasure of God. This is what Jesus filled himself with, those needs of his life, those things he craved. It was like, you know what? I'm going to fill myself with the fact that I bring God pleasure. That's what the heart of this longing is. That's what the heart of every emptiness in our soul. Guys, it's lo- it longs to be filled with the pleasure of God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these things, just like Jesus just took what was open to him and was able to withstand the trial. So are we. We're going to put them into use in our everyday life. And here's the deal, you guys, only in hardship, only in the testing, can we step back and pull those things into our life and say, they work, right? That's what this moment for Jesus was. Like, Jesus, take what was just given to you in the wilderness and find out they work. Find out my spirit is enough. Find out that my love satisfies. Find out that my pleasure in you validates you to the, to the end, right? He took them into his life and he was able to discover, yes, they work. And that's what I want for us. Hardship is an opportunity. Temptation is an opportunity to go, oh man, those things that were given to me, that victory, it works in my life. It works. So my um, brother-in-law is a doctor and he develops relationships with his patients because they, they come in like, you know, sometimes it's like once a month and they come in regularly. And um, a lot of times these patients bring gifts. I think I'm in the wrong profession. They bring in these gifts. And um, one day he had this patient who was just talking about this machine called Yo Nanas. Yo Nanas. I know you want to say it. Yo Nanas. And she comes in. She's like, I love Yo Nanas. It's like it makes this healthy ice cream. It basically you put a frozen banana in it and it like chops it all up and out spits this like banana ice cream. And she was just going on and on. She loves Yo Nanas. Well, the next time she comes... She shows up into his office with a Yonana's machine, his very own Yonana's machine. And um, he brought it home and like the family was all kind of laughing at like this. The box says like as seen on TV. Right. And it makes all these promises like ice cream out of a banana to make you ice cream out of a banana. And um, and so they're laughing about it. But one day they they took the gadget out of the box. And so I have a Yonana's machine I want to show you. They took the gadget out of the box and they, they were like, all right, this thing promises to make us ice cream out of a banana. We're going to give it a try in our kitchen. Right. And so you freeze the banana, you put it in here, you just turn on and and you can put your little dish or little cone and out comes this Yonana and they loved it. Like their family was like every night it was Yonana night every night. And they're like, it does. It works. It takes a banana and turns it into ice cream. Right. But here's the deal. You don't know until you take the gadget out of the box and you give it a try until you put the frozen banana in. Like it promises like on TV, but does it deliver? And they thought, we love you. Okay. So I, someone is going to take Yonana's home. 
Under someone's seat is a banana taped. Okay, we're on Oprah. You get a yo nanas, you. And it may, someone might not be sitting in the seat. Someone might not be sitting in the seat. Come on. No, it's literally duct taped onto the very bottom. You just have to reach your hand underneath it. And you guys might have to check a neighbor's chair. Yay, Lisa. We love Yonanas too now. Our family now enjoys Yonanas. I think the Scavioni family enjoys Yonanas. So here's the deal though, guys. Here's the deal. Here's do we have to take the reality of what Jesus won for us out of the box in our trial and our temptation. We have to say, oh, actually this works in my kitchen. This promise, this promise to satisfy, to fulfill this promise to hold me, you know, in, in worship, this promise to overcome. It actually works, but I have to take it out of the box and try it in my kitchen. I have to say like, yeah, it works just like it says on TV. It works just like it, you showed me in the word. It works just like it did in Jesus's life. It works in my life too right here. And so when I have a hardship with my kids, I pull these promises out of the box and I wrap them around the circumstance. I wrap them around what's going on. When I feel the, the urge to be like, you know what, God, you're taking too long. I'm going to do this myself. I take the promise out the box of your spirit. That I'm your daughter, that you love me, that you approve me. When I take, when I, I feel that urge to like do something great, to like feel good about myself for a moment or like hype something up or, you know, so many times I, I'm always like, I should post on Instagram. Why should you post on Instagram, Molly? You know, what, what is the, what am I wanting? Some of you post, I'm not saying that's great for you. I'm just saying in my life, when I'm feeling a little bit insecure, that's what I want to do. Right. And so I pull these things out of my box, out of the box. And I say, God, okay, let your pleasure just come and rest on me again. What was open to me at the cross, come, let it have its way in my life right now. Cause I need it right here. I need to know it in my kitchen. I need to know what that is like. I want to serve that to my kids. I want that to be active and alive in my family. So I've been finding this little prayer lately that I want to share with you. And it's just this, it's, I yield deep within to what is opened high above. I yield deep within. I consent deep within my life right now and the trial and the hardship and the pull and the temptation. I just consent to what was opened high above me right now in this moment, because guys, we are going to live out. We are, we're going to live this thing out. This victory of the cross. We're going to live it out 365 days a year. It's what I want for us. I want us to have always had this full view of what God brought rushing into our lives at the moment of the cross. I want us to go out and find this victory in the context of our own stories in our own lives. And I want us to come back and say, yes, it works here too. Like, yes, this is true. What God opened up is true and it's enough and it satisfies me and it overcomes this is everyday victory from a one day event. This is what it looks like. And this is what I long for us. This is what I'm jealous for us to have. This is it. The everyday victory from a one day event, you guys. All right. So why don't we stand up and we're just going to pray this kind of in. And so we just have a moment 
to just consent to yield right now, wherever our lives are to what God opened up above us. And so we're just going to do that. Sometimes I like to open up my hands. It's kind of like, just got to just yield, you know, if you guys want to get in that posture, you don't have to, it's not magical, but God, here we are as your people. And here we are, you know, the absolute details and context of our lives. And we open up right now. We just open up our lives to you and surrender. And we just consent (laughs) our circumstances, our desires, our cravings, our needs, our humanity to the reality of what you opened above us at the cross. And God, we see that you tore open every barrier. You tore open the heavens so that the fullness of your spirit could come rushing into our lives. The fullness of this identity of father to child could come rushing into and cover our lives. That the reality of a God of the universe could be pleased with someone like me comes rushing into my life. So I just open my heart to that. Whether I feel it, whether I have evidence of it that I would say is evidence, I just consent to truth right now. Consent to what you opened over humanity, over me. And we yield, God, we yield in those places where we're trying to fix things ourselves, figure things out, where we grew tired of waiting for you, we just consent right now again and say, you are a good father. We're your sons and daughters and you know where you're taking us and you will bring about the glorious end, the good end. You'll bring it about. So where we're just, man, agonizing over the details, here we are and we just open them up before you. And God, where we've been trying to fill a need in our lives with stones, with something else. We just, we're going to open our hands and leave that stone for right now. We're just going to leave it. Because what you've given is enough. What you've given is enough. We're going to declare that over my life. Your love is enough. You've given your spirit. And where we're tempted, to, man, those moments where we just feel like we're not enough, we're mediocre, we're, there's nothing great about us. Man, we just yield to your spirit, validates us through and through. So God, I just pray for us as a church, would you let the victory of the cross spread out farther over our lives? Just spread it out farther, God. Yeah, we just say, this is an everyday victory. We are going to walk in an everyday victory. We love you and we bless you.